0: I feel like we can the table. I'm do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook where we post all of our episodes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how and anytime. If you have a smart speaker, hey Alexa, play Locked on Packers. Okay, Google, play Locked on Packers. And the next time you do that, we're going to have more conversations about Matt LaFleur because he was officially announced last night as the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. This was something we already knew, so this is, does not come as a surprise. Jason Hershorn from SB Nation and and NFL Media is going to be here a little bit later to dig into his background and uh, you know go a little bit deeper into what this is going to mean for the Packers, who LaFleur is and you know what what his what his coaching style might be what what position groups this might be advantageous for but before we do that there are some some pieces around this that we have to clean up and there are two narratives that I want to address that that I think are in some ways ridiculous you know there there's reasons for for getting into it and there's reasons for believing some of the stuff but I, I think generally speaking we have to do our best to be diligent to stay in reality here <laughs> uh, but let's start with some of just the actual news factoids about this because it, Mike Patton is staying Mike Patton is going to be the defensive coordinator and we're gonna get to some of the issues that Packers fans have with that and some of the uh perceptions around this move that it was potentially a prerequisite for the job and oh they made a mistake because you know we'll, we'll get into it I don't want to. I don't want to preempt my own case here. They're also keeping uh, Jerry Montgomery, defensive line coach, who obviously uh, has done really awesome things with Kenny Clark, with Dean Lowry, with Mike Daniels, with Tyler Lancaster. So you know, I think that makes sense. There's also been reporting that the feelers have gone out. The bat signal has is shown in the night sky for an offensive coordinator, and a special teams coach. So rest easy, Packers fans. No Ron Zook, no Joe Philbin, at least not as offensive coordinator. And when his other specialty is offensive line, and the Packers have one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, you say, okay, well, it's not going to be there. He also has some experience coaching tight ends. There's been some reporting that Lafleur would like to keep the Packers' current tight ends coach. So it's becoming more and more clear that Joe Philbin's place will not be in Green Bay in 2019. Ditto for Ron Zook. And so who could they look for? Who could they go out and get? And this is a little bit more difficult because I've gotten a lot of messages on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline on Twitter, wondering about these options. And and the first name that comes up is Zach Taylor, the quarterback's coach in LA under Sean McVeigh. Well, that's not gonna happen. Sean McVay will, will, will at the very least not let him interview. But he could just simply elevate him and, and say, well, that's not a promotion. He's not calling plays. Once upon a time, and by that I mean a year ago, Sean McVay let Matt LaFleur leave his OC job for another OC job because it involved calling plays. And because Zach Taylor would come to Green Bay and not call plays, McVay is not going to give his blessing for that. And and in that moment that we find out that that's the case, it becomes clear Matt LaFleur is calling plays for the Packers in 2019. Now, there is also the curious case of Matt's brother, who works for the 49ers uh, and has experience as a, in in this system, in the Shanahan system, going back with Matt. And right now, the reporting is he is going to stay in San Francisco and so is not a potential option for the Packers at offensive coordinator. So that leaves them, you know, I, I'm not going to say scrambling because they're not scrambling. But there is one name that I want to throw out there and that is not Josh McDaniels, uh, but Mike McDaniel. He's a receivers coach um or was a receivers coach in Washington with LaFleur and Shanahan and McVay. Uh was an offensive assistant in Atlanta when LaFleur was the uh, the quarterback's coach and is now the run game coordinator in San Francisco for Kyle Shanahan. So what what LaFleur apparently wants is someone with experience, with this the system that he's been in, who can come in and help him, you know, build this offense. What we've heard about LaFleur to this point is he will adapt and he will change and he will do the things that his players do the best. This is something that he has talked about. It's something that Sean McVay talked about, putting prioritizing, putting players in the best position possible for them. And that's going to be a focus for LaFleur under the Packers. And so that doesn't mean he has to find someone who has the exact same experience as he does in terms of offense. But he'd like to have someone who at least understands the you know the basics of this that has some experience with it. And I do think that brings us back to one of these narratives and that is that the Packers chose Matt LaFleur because he was a disciple of Sean McVay. And I do think it is the case that his background with McVeigh helped in the interview process, was appealing, that that he was part of a progressive system, watched Sean McVeigh work, and thought that, that that experience would be useful for the Packers. Well, here's the problem. He worked for McVeigh for one season. He worked for a Shanahan or a Shanahan descendant in Gary Kubiak for almost a decade. He is not a McVeigh peon. He is someone steeped in the tradition of Mike and Kyle Shanahan. He's really, if anything, the Packers were looking for his experience with Kyle Shanahan's offense, not necessarily just Sean McVeigh's offense. The blend of those two is what is appealing. So this idea that, oh, they're trying to find the next Sean McVeigh, well, no, because Matt LaFleur in Washington was, again, I, I said this yesterday, he was the quarterback's coach. Sean McVay was the tight ends coach. In the hierarchy of coaches, LaFleur was above him. And when McVay surprisingly got the, the offer to go to L.A. and be the coach, Shanahan and McVay fought over him. There was a bidding war, and that is part of the reason that that he has this additional heat. But he is a Shanahan disciple first and foremost. And I think when you look at the pedigree and you look at all of the experience that he has, he has more experience now than Sean McVeigh did when he was hired in LA. I mean, unequivocally. And and so the idea that that this is just some like fly by the seat of their pants, knee-jerk reaction to the success Sean McVeigh has had, I just I find to be cynical and I and I think it's it's a hot take for hot take's sake. The other part of this and I mentioned it, is this idea that that LaFleur was the pick over McDaniels because LaFleur was willing to to hire Patton. And while I do think it mattered to Green Bay that, that they saw those things congruently and they saw those things as important parts of the franchise moving forward, there's no evidence to suggest that this was a prerequisite situation. That, oh, he was only hired because of this. No, he has legitimate pedigree and talent. Coaching ability, the fact that he wanted Mike Patton and the Packers wanted Mike Patton suggests a continuity of vision, which has its own intrinsic value. And so, I just I don't know why fans are so insistent on being so cynical about these things. And I don't know if it's a way of protecting themselves about getting too excited about these things or whatever it is. But number one, there's no evidence that that's what happened. And number two. It just doesn't make sense. If they felt so strongly that Mike Patton had to be the next defensive coordinator to the point that that's who they were going to hire their coach based on, just hire Patton and find an OC. Like, that's just not how this works. And and I just don't think there's evidence to support that claim. But I think people look at Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekinds and say, oh, well, more of the same. I mean, there were those ridiculous comments by, you know, people whose names I will not use on this show because all they're doing is is speaking for attention about, oh, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers picked a pushover coach. That's just, that, it's garbage to the point of being disrespectful to sit in that chair and have conversations like that. I mean, just get out of my face with that. That is total trash garbage, enough. My body is just tensing up thinking about it. it makes my skin crawl it's really it's it's obnoxious and ridiculous and disrespectful and i wish we could find a way to, to to not have conversations like that but listen they're on tv and and they have to fill an hour two hours whatever so they're going to do what they're going to do and, and that just is what it is but you know what they make the big bucks. And if you want to make the big bucks, you should be betting at my bookie. Don't be the guy with no rooting interest as your friends and relatives are sitting around watching TV and watching these incredible playoff games. Not this year, not when the 53rd Super Bowl is right around the corner. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at my bookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service and they offer the craziest props. If you can think of a prop, they will give you odds. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during bowl season, you have to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now, and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the NFL playoffs. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON25 because at MyBookie, you play fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawn Mower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked ON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code LOCKED ON. All right, our guest today, Jason Hershorn. You can follow him on Twitter at buy underscore JBH. Find his work at SB Nation, fan-sided, NFL Media. Jason, thanks for coming back, Locked on Packers. And I have to tell you up front, Michelle Bruton, who was on yesterday, is not happy that you have so quickly usurped her title as most frequently appeared guest on Locked on Packers.
2: She rejoins Packers Twitter for like 24 hours. (laughs) And thinks that it's her place to lay claim to these things. And, you know, Michelle's awesome. But you come at the king, you best not miss. (laughs) Totally fair. Totally fair. All right. Speaking of the king,
0: there is a new king in the castle at 1265 Lombardy. We're looking at this from a, you know, this is still pretty fresh. We're talking about 24, 36, 48 hours, depending on when people are listening to this. Uh, What was just your initial reaction when
2: this all came down? I was completely surprised. Obviously, Matt LaFleur was on Green Bay's radar. He was one of their dozen or so interviews, and he was the last of those interviews. So you can certainly paint a a picture of how this came to be. But every single sign that we had, as recently as Sunday night, was that it was McDaniel's job to lose. We had reports from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that his interview had gone well that he had really convinced Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, and Mike Murphy, or Mark Murphy, the team president, that a lot of the things that had happened in Denver and some of the things that happened more recently, like the debacle with Indianapolis last year, were just not going to be huge concerns for him. So between that and another report from NBC Sports that the Patriots were preparing for McDaniels to leave, I, I thought we were getting ready for a Josh McDaniels hiring, not one with Matt LaFleur, a one-year-old, uh, play-calling offensive coordinator. So, I mean, I
0: think this leads us to an obvious question, and and that is, how did that happen?
2: Well, we can surmise a certain amount about this. Matt LaFleur does check a lot of boxes for the Packers. He has spent a lot of time specifically with quarterbacks. We know this is something that Aaron Rodgers really values in his coaches. He spoke about this pretty much any time the Packers had to make a decision on his position coach, uh, Alex Van Pelt, One of the coaches that was ousted before this past season, someone that Aaron Rodgers got very close with, was a former quarterback. I'm sure that wasn't the only reason that Aaron Rodgers liked him, but that was it had to be part of it. And LaFleur has played quarterback in college. Again, he has coached quarterback for so much of his career, either directly as that position coach or as an offensive assistant, even an offensive coordinator. He, you know, he came out of that. I don't know what you want to call this point. There's the Shanahan McVay tree, one of the most exciting branches of NFL offenses that we've seen in some time. So if you're looking for a way to justify this hire that that's out there, He, he definitely checks those boxes.
0: But in terms of what happened with Josh McDaniels, how, how do you think, I mean, you're, we're obviously just reading tea leaves and sort of between the lines here, but McDaniels did also check a lot of boxes. What do you think ultimately was the disconnect here, and and was was the reporting blown out of proportion? Did did do you think Lafleur just blew him out of the water? I mean, this is just speculation now, but but try and and read between the lines for
2: us. Well, anytime somebody lands a head coaching position, you can safely assume that they blew the interview out of the water. I wonder if, even though McDaniels checks a lot of boxes, I I would say, frankly, more than LaFleur does, if certain parts of his resume maybe made the Packers not necessarily more worried, but it wasn't as easy of a transition as it would be from Mike McCarthy to Matt LaFleur. LaFleur has worked in a number of West Coast offenses. That's not to say that he runs the Mike McCarthy offense. I think there's going to be a lot of confusion about that in the coming days for fans but the language of that offense is very similar to the one that Aaron Rodgers and all of those offensive players have worked with their entire time in Green Bay. There'll be certain words that are different, but the general underlying idea is similar. Now, how the plays are designed, how things are implemented, that's where you get the the difference between Lafleur and McCarthy. But just being able to essentially speak the same language, maybe that's the reason why the Packers ultimately decided to go with someone like LaFleur as opposed to McDaniels, who comes from that Erdhard Pinkins or Perkins, excuse me, offense, which it doesn't mean that it isn't very effective because it definitely is, but the actual language of it is different.
0: Yeah, it does seem like a lot of this comes down to continuity for the Packers because there there is right now reporting that the Packers are going to keep Mike Patton and some of his staff. Um, Rob Domofsky mentioned that that Joe Philbin could even be retained in some form, and it, it does feel like there is that familiarity. Even though Mike Shanahan does not come from the same branch of the Bill Walsh tree as Mike Holmgren, that is technically the same tree. Yeah,
2: and really, if you want to look at if we look at the way this offense has developed, it's not even just Shanahan; it's Gary Kubiak. If we go back into Lafleur's history. He first came into the NFL as an assistant, a quality control assistant, under Gary Kubiak's staff right. with the Houston Texans. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the most uh, productive offense in the NFL over the course of his time there, but in many ways, it was one of the most innovative. They just didn't have necessarily the horses to run it at the highest level. That staff also included Kyle Shanahan. That was where those two first got introduced, as far as we know. And then when Shanahan moved to Washington to coach under his father, Mike Shanahan, LaFleur came along with them. That's also where LaFleur met Sean McVay. And that's where really all of this intrigue begins because two of the most two of the most creative offenses in the NFL are the ones run currently with the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. And LaFleur has direct exposure to both of those play callers. And not just one, one year. He's worked with those guys for a number of years and has had a lot of success with them. So it, again, if you're looking for a way to justify this hire from the Packers perspective, Th- that's where you start. Yeah,
0: and and in terms of you know the differences, uh, you know I, I think the Packers. It looked pretty clear from the, the group of candidates that they were looking at that they wanted not only to revamp this offense, but they wanted someone. And this is this has also been reported that they wanted someone to come in and and be uh, challenging to Aaron Rodgers intellectually. Um, on a football level, not necessarily, you know, from like an old school discipline level. And so far, what we've heard from you know guys who have co- who have been coached by him, like Dan Orlovsky, Trent Dilfer weighed in that this is going to be the case with someone like Matt Lafleur,
2: and and you have to think that was a, that was a selling point for the Packers. Sure, I, I do want to point out here that anytime a hire is made. There are going to be quotes supporting that hire from sure. people, people who have worked with that coach before, people who have been coached by that person before. If this had been Josh McDaniels, there would have been quotes from Tom Brady. There would have been quotes from probably like other former Patriots quarterbacks. We might have even gotten some quotes from Adam Gase, who worked with him. Like you can, you will always find these quotes with a hire. If the Packers had hired Chuck Pagano, somebody would have said it was a good hire. <laughs> that, that's True. not even a joke. I mean, it, no, and you're I, right. And I, and I and I know you read Bob again too, and I know he's he's you know still a a hot topic amongst uh, Packers fans. But he is still one of the most connected beat writers anywhere in the NFL. Sure. And when he released his article about sort of like the anonymous scout version of these coaches, the, the quotes from executives, one of the executives flat out ranked all of the candidates that the Packers have requested interviews from. And Matt LaFleur was second to last. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a bad hire. It simply means that we, we're going to look for ways to justify or explain any hire that is made. And you can always do that. There will be evidence for it, but there's also going to be a way where you can point out how this couldn't work. And with LaFleur, there are a lot of variables. We simply do not know much about what he's going to do in Green Bay because he's only run his own offense for one year. And although Mike McCarthy, and this is always the comparison
0: that, that people are going to make, was, had one bad year in San Francisco, he had a number of good years in New Orleans as an offensive coach, as an offensive coordinator. Battle of Fleur doesn't have that. And although he has all of this pedigree going back to his early days as a coach, this really does feel like um, a, a high upside and potentially high variance uh, decision by the Packers. And in a, in a coaching search that featured names like Pat Fitzgerald, Chuck Pagano and Jim Caldwell, I have to think this is one of the most surprising outcomes that we could have gotten, even if there are some, some
2: you know compelling reasons why it makes sense. Yeah, and, and you, you stated the reason for it. LaFleur definitely could end up being one of the better hires of the cycle simply because we know he comes from a very sturdy branch of that West Coast offense tree, that, that, that Mike Shanahan tree. I mean, really, if we want to go back, Bill Walsh, but the, obviously with the offense being a lot more developed sense than just using that language. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, this is a, this is a much more unproven guy than we would have expected for the Packers to hire. That's not saying it is a bad hire. A bad hire at least in my view would have been bringing in someone like Chuck Pagano. It would have been bringing someone in like Jim Caldwell, someone with, you know, maybe a higher floor or established floor at least, but also a very established ceiling and was not necessarily going to bring in that offensive revolution that is happening almost everywhere else in the NFL. So that again, that simply means that This could be a very good hire, a very bad hire, and we just don't know right now, whereas with certain other candidates, I feel like we've had a better idea right away. I'm surprised the Packers went this direction, simply because I think that if they wanted Josh McDaniels, they could have gotten him. And a lot of the positives that we can say about LaFleur, we can say about McDaniels, and maybe even more so, that could end up being... A mistake that can end up being the right move. Maybe McDaniel's wouldn't have meshed with the organization. I do think he would have meshed with Aaron Rodgers, though. We know how much Rodgers appreciates and respects Tom Brady, and Brady certainly was going to give a a very, very, a very standing ovation to a McDaniel's hire for Green Bay.
0: One of Michelle's theories on this was that there there may have been some concerns in the front office about the new structure. With with Mark Murphy having the coach and the and the GM reporting directly to him, that Josh McDaniels, given his past and given his uh, personality, potentially that that there might have been more opportunities for issues with him than with someone like Matt Lafleur. It does seem like, even though Lafleur is unproven. Just from like if you're going to like an old school football coach, this is someone that that has a lot of, you know, I keep using the word pedigree and that that seems like the best word for it. But he, when you have when you can command the respect of someone like Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, who are very different in terms of their generations in the NFL. I think that speaks to, you know, this just just the, the greatest compliment that that you can give a player if you're a coach is he's a football player. And it seems like the same is true for a coach. This does seem like the Packers just hired a football coach.
2: Sure. And I completely agree with Michelle's point that under the Packers new organizational structure, maybe there was more risk with someone like Josh McDaniels if things didn't go as well as hoped in the 2019 season. That perhaps McDaniels could have pushed for more power, or frankly, just down the line if and when Murphy retires. But that's really a problem with the organizational structure. That doesn't mean that it would have been a bad football hire in a vacuum. Uh, LaFleur, we don't think, is going to be like that. But that's simply because we right. don't know. There's so much less we know about LaFleur's personality as opposed to Josh McDaniels, because McDaniels has been a known quantity in the football world for well over a decade. Whereas Lafleur really came into prominence just over the last few years.
0: Yeah, it does. It, it, the, the more we talk, the more it does seem like the, the 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 headline here is really we think he could be good, but we really just don't know. And and the answer to a lot of these questions is we don't know because we haven't seen it, and that's what makes this, I think, such a such a risk for the Packers. Because as as, we, as we've discussed, Josh McDaniels is a more proven quantity in both good and bad ways.
2: Yeah. So I again, I don't want the the listeners of your podcast going away from this thinking that the Packers just botched this hire. If they again, if they had hired Chuck Pagano, if they had hired Mike Munchak, right, right. That would be botching the hire. A situation where you know from the start that it has a defined ceiling and that ceiling is probably below that of a Super Bowl championship. Matt LaFleur's background and his pedigree certainly suggests that he can be that kind of head coach. Even even though he didn't necessarily have a lot of suitors this year, we've seen a lot of good coaches sort of hit that lull and come back and become very, very good coaches. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, maybe six years ago, looked like he was going to be the next wunderkind in the NFL. Then he was with the Browns for that kind of disastrous season where he ended up a- asking out of his contract. Then he had a nearly as disastrous first season with the Falcons. and It looked like his time as an offensive play caller might just be over. Then 2016 happened where the Falcons almost broke some some NFL records for scoring and offensive efficiency, and suddenly he's one of the hottest names in the NFL coaching circle, and, and justifiably so. I think he's really proven that since he's become the head coach of the 49ers. That could simply be the case here. A, a year ago, we were discussing Matt LaFleur not as a head coach in, uh, candidate, but as someone who could quickly become that if that first season in Tennessee went well. And there's a lot of reasons why that didn't happen. Now, some of those might be LaFleur. A lot of them appear to be personnel. And I know you talked about it on, on your podcast and you'll continue to do so, but there were so many issues with the health of that personnel that- yep. I honestly don't know how many coaches could have succeeded at a high level. And when you're making this higher, it's more about projecting forward than it's about what he has already done as the offensive play caller. And the example I gave on Twitter is this, we are all giving Matt Nagy a ton of credit. And I think rightfully so for the offensive innovation that he brought to the Chicago bears this past season, that offense finished 20th in DVOA. That was only a few spots ahead of the Tennessee Titans, which finished 22. Now, Again, LaFleur maybe isn't going to end up being that offensive innovator that his resume suggests that he could be, but he might also just been you know handcuffed by the situation in Tennessee. And the Packers are certainly betting on the come. That could blow up in their face, but maybe this turns out to be like the Rams hire of Sean McVay, where I think you and I privately were a little skeptical of that hire simply because of his age. And because we didn't know how much he was or wasn't doing in Washington, and then he turned out to be the best hire of that 2017 uh, coaching cycle. So the Packers are one of the
0: best uh, hires in recent
2: memory of any
0: team in any year. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I don't expect this to be a Sean McVay hire, but could this be a Matt Nagy level hire where he brings in a completely different approach to the offense, is able to install it very quickly, and then adapt as the NFL adjusts to him? that's totally on the table. And with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, if he's healthy, if he's re-energized, and we expect both those things to be true in 2019, you can see all of that coming together. I I would approach it cautiously, but that upside is very, very much there. It sounds like,
0: uh, and if this is the case, I very much agree that that from your standpoint, and you're approaching this as a, as a process versus outcome standpoint, which is the correct way to do it, um, that you that your feeling is the only mistake, or at least the biggest mistake the Packers could have made, was to not take some level of risk, to go with the Paganos, the Caldwells, the Munchacks of the world, that even though this might not work, it was a, a worthy risk, a worthy swing worth
2: taking. That's absolutely the, the right way to look at it. If the if the hire wasn't going to put the Packers, or couldn't potentially put the Packers, in position to win a Super Bowl, it wasn't worth their time. I don't think that would have happened with, not necessarily because of their retreat, simply because we know what they do, and frankly what they do not do well. That's why I don't think that a Caldwell or a Pagano, or honestly, even though I think he's a much better coach, simply I don't think he was a great fit for the Packers if Vic Fangio was on their radar. I don't think those guys would have necessarily brought that ceiling, at least that possibility for the Packers that they need. Josh McDaniels could have certainly blown up in the Packers' face. I think we've all discussed that ad nauseum. <laughs> but he also could have brought in the most dynamic offense the Packers have had in years and, learn, you know, having learned from his experience with the Denver Broncos as a head coach, having learned from his time back in New England, put the Packers in position to compete for titles very soon and, frankly, for the rest of Rodgers' career. That was also there, too. Going in a direction like that, where there's the possibility of making the most of the last, you know, three, four, five years of Rodgers' career, that was always going to be the right approach. Anything short of that would have been a mistake. And I think that at least has that possibility of being successful higher. Sounds
0: good. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know that it has been a a crazy few days for you as it has been for me. So I appreciate you carving out some time. Uh, Remind my listeners because
2: they should already know, but remind
0: them where they can find the work that you do.
2: Well, you can find virtually everything I write on Twitter. I'm at by underscore JBH. I write for Acme Packing Company, SBNation.com, NFL.com. I I freelance at fanside.com, and in several other outlets uh, I, I thank your listeners, a lot of whom have decided to follow me and deal with my BS on Twitter. I, I I don't know. I'm just very appreciative of your audience. Well, they are
0: appreciative of you every time you're on. I get responses, positive uh, positive ones, <laughs> about you coming on. So uh, we'll do it again soon. We'll do it this off season, and then uh, we will have what should be a very interesting, at the very least, 2019 th- season. Thanks, Jason.
2: Thank you, Peter.
1: Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All
0: right, I want to thank Jason again for joining the show. He has done so many times, helped me out on my honeymoon to record a show while I, when I was just starting out with this show, and we have grown leaps and bounds since then. So always, always great to have Jason back on the show. It seems like you guys enjoy those conversations, and uh, part of that is, I think, because we're friends in real life we have actually met. It's not just an internet friendship. We are legitimate friends. He was at my wedding. He was at my bachelor party. And um, that's where that story is going to end. But if you're not already following the work that he does uh, and his tweets, uh, you should be doing that. So buy underscore JBH where I'm writing Acme Packing Company. Uh, keep a lookout because he does really great work. And speaking of great work, Eric Edholm is going to join us from Pro Football Weekly tomorrow on the show. Uh a lot a lot to discuss with him. I want to take a step out a little bit and talk about the Bears and what's next for them. What would happen if Vic Fangio is is stolen away from Chicago and where and where this Packers team might fit in in the NFC hierarchy now that they've made this big coaching decision. Uh, when I when I first reached out to him, this hadn't broken. So I had a whole other plan, but I want to keep him on. He's a smart guy, and, and uh, he can improv, and, and so can I. So that will be how we handle tomorrow. And then that will be the last show of the week, barring you know other big news on Friday. We'll be back next week. There could be other coaching hires. Cliff Kingsbury already signed by the Cardinals. Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. Uh, it looks like Freddie Kitchens is the front runner in Cleveland. You may have heard different by the time this is out, or he may already be signed by the time this is out. Mike McCarthy is the front runner in New York for that job, and it's the only job he is willing to take apparently this cycle. So, still a lot to talk about, a lot going on around the NFL, and of course, the divisional round is this weekend. So, uh, never a dull moment in the NFL. Never a dull moment on this podcast. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast. On Twitter at Locked On Packers, really enjoying being a little bit more active with that social account. So if you haven't already, give that one a follow. Remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating. Let other people know why you like this show. Yesterday's show was our biggest single-day sh- download numbers ever, which I'm not surprised by. Matt LaFleur, this is a big deal. So uh, again, thanks to Michelle Bruton for, for coming on and helping me out with that one. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. By the time you've listened to this, Matt LaFleur may already have been introduced as the next coach of the Green Bay Packers. And I know he would appreciate it if you stayed Locked on Packers.